Thanks to Nuts.com for supporting our show. Right now, when you go to Nuts.com slash AMR, new customers get a free gift with purchase and free shipping on orders of $29 or more. Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement. Whether it's a slow walk to the storage closet for another box of Kleenex or a single leg squat to reach for the Mucinex PM on the bottom shelf at Walgreens, we're here to say yay to it all. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. Coming in a little nasally today. Sorry about that. Hopefully it's not going to annoy people. Oh, no, I'm so sorry that you've been sick, Dimity. I just, it's rough. It's going around. I mean, you're you're not near me at all geographically, but I feel like whatever you have is definitely going around here. Oh, it's in definitely Maryland going around. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like my third, it's my third strike with it. Like I've had, it's been over about seven weeks and this is the third time it's come up. So this time I am committed to healing. So anyway, you're, uh, you want to introduce yourself, Sarah? <laughs> yes. Oh, sure. I'm Sarah Wasser Flynn. I'm your co-host and I'm just saying yay to being healthy because knock on wood, you can hear that. I haven't gotten any of these germs that have been coming around, but that doesn't yeah. mean I'm not going to get them. So I'm just one day at a time holding on to my uh, boosted immunity for now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and your immunity is boosted from your marathon. Mm-hmm. You just ran the Marine Corps, not just, but Gosh, it's recently. Been over two weeks. It's like, in a way, it's felt like a long time ago by now. I don't think I talked about this on the last podcast. I already ran a 5K too. So oh, I, I moved right along. I know this against like coaches' <sighs> advice and probably against what I would advise my own athletes, but I was like, you know, not really satisfied with my marathon experience. And so the next week, the following Sunday, I ran a 5K. And I, and were I'm going to like with brag that? a little bit about myself yeah. because, you know, I've been through a lot with like post childbirth, lots of injuries, lots of like things. And I kind of gave up on like chasing the ghost of my former self, but I actually yeah. ran a time that I hadn't run since 2016 and I was in really good shape in 2016. And I'm not wow, that far Sarah. off of where I was in high school, which is like, wow. okay. All yeah. right. You got to spill, spill. What was the time? Everyone um, wants to know. I ran 2030. Uh, for the 5k. Yeah. Wow. And I wasn't like really that winded. I, you know, that's because I had the marathon, um, fitness in me. So yeah. I, I know I can run faster, but I'm like, now that I'm like a week away from that, I just feel like it's kind of creeping away because <laughs> I'm not regularly training at the moment. I kind of gave myself some space to just, you know, have some unstructured time and to do whatever I feel like doing. And I'm like, oh, I feel that fitness is kind of creeping away. But um, I'm really happy that I was able to get under 21 and and on the lower side of 20, almost like midway in the 20s. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I can break 20. I've always had this goal of breaking 19. Okay. I have done it once, but it was in a triathlon. And so like I want to run an open 5K and break 19, but I'm like, maybe it's just breaking 20 is what I should focus on right now. And that'll be pretty satisfying. Yeah. Small steps, small mm-hmm. steps, mm-hmm. but um, wow. Congratulations. And I'm, I'm very uh, impressed. I'm impressed that you, cause those are two very different gears, the marathon and the 5k, as we all know, you know, especially mm-hmm. a fast 5k. So mm-hmm. how did it feel good? It felt wonderful. I mean, you know, the weather, I spoke about this on our last podcast. It was so humid the day of the Marine Corps marathon. It was like just blah. And then of course on this particular Sunday, it was wonderful, beautiful, crisp air, 45 degrees, I just embraced it and I kind of raced for the first time in a long time. I usually just go out and do my own thing, even in races, but I raced and I 
tried to hang back a little bit beside be, behind the top women. And then I was able to pass one and then I was able to pass another and I ended up getting second place. The girl who won was 20. So I was like, wow, that, I mean, that is legit pride. If the, with the woman, and did you, did you win something? Did you win a, I got a gift, gift certificate gift, to a, yep, yeah. mm-hmm, a little gift card <laughs> for a, a local running store so I can get my new hokas at some point. Um, yeah. So that was good. You know, I, it's also, it's, I don't want anyone to think who's listening to this to think I'm bragging at all, but like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be like happy with like where I am and all I've, you know, overcome. And, and as far as a run, my running journey has been so long and it's been more downs than ups. So I embrace the ups whenever they come. I, well, absolutely. Yeah. I celebrate that with you, Sarah. And I really do think that it's important that we celebrate our wins and talk about them freely without feeling like, oh, you know what? They think I'm bragging because I don't think you're bragging. I'm like, oh, I'm psyched for you. I mean, everyone who's listening, I'm guessing is like, yay, go Sarah. (laughs) And also like it opens up the window to potentially be like, oh, well, she did that. Not that I'm necessarily going to go do that, but could I go do that thing that feels a little bit hard to me right now? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So speaking about goals, we're actually bringing on a guest today who is going to help us talk about them in a super clear and fun way. Alyssa Gadeski is a woman who wears many hats. She's a pro triathlete, an ultra runner, an adventurer, a coach, a podcast host, and an advocate for equality in sport. She also knows a thing or two about setting big goals and going after them. So we are excited to have you. Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, Dimity. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you on, Alyssa. So why don't you just share a bit about yourself? Where do you live and what are you up to these days? I know I'll just preface this. You've been experiencing a little bit of downtime at the moment. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's been a different kind of season for me um, recently, but I am living in West Fairley, Vermont. It's a very small town um, in the Upper Valley area of New Hampshire and Vermont. So kind of near like the Dartmouth College area for people familiar with that. Beautiful place to live and train. And unfortunately, my training has been very minimal as of late. In September, I actually had knee surgery to repair the root of my meniscus. And I can say, ladies, that in the span of things you ever would have torn in your knee, like the root of your meniscus is Mm -hmm. definitely up there with things you don't want to tear. Like it kind of parallels ACL type of surgery and recovery from surgery. It's just very long and slow. You know, initially I heard the word meniscus and I was like, oh, you know, I tore that in high school and it was pretty quick to get back. Right. And the root was a different story. So I'm learning, um, you know, to really lean into that patient side of things that I've learned in endurance sport. And I'm doing a lot of like easy, very, very easy spinning, um, walking, and a lot of PT exercises right now with my life. And then just trying to, yeah, be a a super fan of everyone else's running. So Sarah, it's cool to hear about that 5k. I think you definitely can go for like sub 20, sub 19. You're knocking on the door, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So how did, tell us how you did tear that meniscus root. Gosh, I wish I had a better story. (laughs) I actually tore it at the very end of May. It was like a Friday afternoon. I was hopping on the treadmill to do a workout. And it's a, a workout I've done literally probably hundreds of times. You do some 30 seconders at, you know, a high speed to kind of improve cadence and turnover in your legs. 
And I hopped on there. It was like the second rep of that. And I kind of felt a twinge in my knee. And I was like, eh, it didn't feel great. Let's see what happens with the next one. And then I hopped on for the... You you jump off the treadmill, like straddle it for 30 seconds and then 30 mm-hmm. seconds on. And um, I jumped on and it just heard the pop. Um, and mm. immediately, you know, I knew something, something was wrong, but I, I was actually training for a race called the one water race, which is this like massive epic team event. Um, that's a, a swim run where you have the opportunity to attempt to swim and run the entire archipelago of Sweden. And so I, um, at that point, just really talked to my doctors. Like we were able to push things through and get it diagnosed pretty um, quickly. But and typically they would have really recommended surgery right away. But we decided to see what it would look like if I did a lot of PT and just kept training, kind of as minimal as I could, to get me through that race. So that was was the path I went down. And so now looking at it from this side, you know, I certainly would have done it again. That race was an amazing experience. But, you know, we are left with a lot of questions about what uh, kind of racing and training on that injury for about three months, like how it has affected me now. So I guess I'm kind of my own science experiment in that sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're you're an N of one. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about that one water race. Well, first of all, like, what is it? Explain it a little bit more. And then also, like, were you in pain during all that training? Or was it just like, just there and you just had to know you had to deal with it when you were coming back? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll I'll start with that to reassure people that I am not okay. totally insane. <laughs> um, I, you know, there were definitely bouts of pain here and there. But for the most part, I was able to get it to a place where it just was never comfortable. My gait was changed. You know, I was always limping. And I think I looked like I was in pain, but I actually wasn't in pain. You know, I just never was able to get it to have like a full range of motion because of the swelling that happened every time it was getting used. So just pretty much all the training was done on limping. And the race itself is, gosh, it's such a special, special event and an amazing concept. The swim run itself is a huge sport over in Europe. It's just starting to take off in the U.S. here, and I'm hoping that it continues to because it is a really, really fun way to push boundaries of like how far can you know you go with your own power. Sure. And so, I mean, it's literally kind of what it sounds like, where you know you're on an island in the archipelago, and then you look across, you see the next island, and you swim there. And you're wearing a special wetsuit. You have you're allowed to have your paddles and a swim buoy, and then you're you're doing it all wearing your shoes. You carry all of that throughout the event, so you look even like nerdier than I've ever looked in triathlon, which is hard to accomplish. <laughs> but it is really fun. And then you know, for safety and just kind of you know to make swim run is generally a team event anyway, so teams of three um, with one female and then an extra like a fourth person coming as a crew and a safety person. So they're able to kind of follow you along in the boats for all the swimming and things like that. This obviously isn't an event that could handle a lot of people. And so they try to keep it to about 10 teams doing it. And so they have been looking for the top endurance and adventure racers that were all over the world and, you know, kind of wanted it to be a competition of, you know, the Australians against the Americans against the Swedes who are, you know, obviously going to have a leg up on all of us for this. Sure. 
it was such a special race to take part in. My team, we didn't finish the entire event. There is a rule that you have to stay within eight hours of the leading team. And then otherwise, just for logistics and safety, like you, you'll get pulled from the course. Okay. So we did, along with uh, several other teams, get timed out last year. And then only one team ended up actually making it to that final lighthouse. The Australians managed to do it. And they took down, they took home a $100,000 prize for doing so. So it was, wow. um, I think it took them just under 65 hours to give people an idea of, you know, and that was nonstop. I think, I think they did take like an hour nap, maybe once or twice. Um, wow. Again, my biggest concern going into it was the safety aspect, but I can assure anyone listening, it actually felt very safe the whole time. That's one of the reasons they keep it small. It's wild, but it is quite safe while you're out there. Yeah. Alyssa, during the actual race, I did tune in. I'm just a geek and watch these types of things. So there was like a live coverage that was really well produced. So is that available now if, if people want to rewatch it? Because it was like kind of professionally produced coverage of this race. Yeah, the actual like very, very raw live footage was, I mean, it was funny. They had a, a guy <laughs> with a GoPro just following each of the teams kind of. And his GoPro was like live broadcasting throughout. So I think that very raw like, you know, 65 hours of footage between the teams is not available. But um, if people do go to YouTube and search One Water Race, they put out a really cool, I think it's like 50 minutes or 52 minutes um, recap of this year's event. And they also have kind of a series on YouTube of profiling the teams and the athletes. And it's definitely, it's great treadmill and bike mm -hmm. trainer material for these winter months we have coming up. Oh, that's a good call. So you said um, it was about 150 miles total for us that live here in the U.S., <laughs> um, not into kilometers. So how far did you guys get in? Like uh, those, the, the finishers were 65 hours. Like how how many miles? How long did you and your team go, Alyssa? Yeah, I think we figured out that we. So it's so funny. Oh, I, I did leave out one major component of the race is that you actually navigate the entire thing by map and compass. So wow. <laughs> you, oh my, um, oh my gosh. you, there's no set track for the race. They start you kind of at the nor northern point, and then they have these checkpoints that you are supposed to get to along the way. And each checkpoint, they give you the next set of maps with the next checkpoints, and. So your total distance is actually kind of up to you in a way. Like there's definitely choices along the way to take more running or less swimming oh, and things sure. like that. Okay. Um, and so I think our team, we were able to calculate that we did about like a marathon. So about 26 or so miles of swimming, we think. Mm -hmm. And I think we made it between 70 and 80 miles of hiking and running. And it's a lot of the islands are just very raw, not inhabited. It's like bushwhacking a lot of extra components, I guess, that make it even even more difficult than what it, it seems like on paper. Yeah, well, watching it, it looked very hard. And I felt for you because <laughs> it, you were featured a couple of times and looked like, I mean, your whole team looked like a little, like, I think it was probably towards the end, like a little downtrodden. It might have been like when you decided to or when you found out you had to quit or something. I was like, oh, I felt like your emotion. Yeah, it was they definitely had the cameras at that point. And I think sleep deprivation just makes everyone look a lot more haggard than anything else. It's good dramatic television, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just briefly talk about one of your other huge accomplishments in life, which is the fastest known time for women on the Vermont Long Trail. So it took you five days, <laughs> two hours and 37 minutes. So for anyone who doesn't know what FKT, which is fastest known time attempts are, can you just give us a quick nutshell description and also why you wanted to do this particular one? Sure. 
So fastest known times or FKTs, like you said, they are these like wonderful, but also like informal (laughs) kind of speed records. Um, And they've been going on for a really long time, actually. And it's just been in the last handful of years that they have really had more eyes on them. And so been kind of taken over and tried to get a little bit more structure around them and regulation. We all know races exist in a official capacity, but a fastest known time could be on a trail like the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail where, you know, a race won't, a formal race won't happen on that terrain. But people have been going out for for decades on these sorts of trails and seeing how fast they could go. And then the origins of picking um, Vermont's Long Trail for me, it sounds so simple, I think, but it really was that um, Nikki Kimball, who is a very famous ultra runner, she's really well known for doing quite well at Western States many years. She's won so many ultras, beat all the men, all of that sort of thing. She had made a documentary called Finding Traction. She documented her attempt at the Vermont's Long Trail, fastest known time. There was no women's time at that time. So she was actually racing to try to beat the men's time. And she fell a little bit short of the men's time, but set a women's mark. And then, you know, made this great documentary and it went out on Netflix and I watched it. (laughs) And I was watching this unfold and I'm a logical, like analytical person. And so I was watching it through that lens. I really felt like as much of a legend as Nikki is with her running, I saw this opportunity for something where it would be a race that may not be purely about speed and power on the trails, right? It was going to also come down to logistics and your ability to pick a good crew and have the pacers doing the right things and like managing, you know, nutrition over five days and that sort of thing. And Nikki's documentary, I felt like there's a a door open on that trail. And that sat in my head for years. I watched it in really the prime of my Ironman career. And so I was very heavily focused on racing Ironman and, and doing that for two or three years. And then I came to this point where Ironman just wasn't super exciting to me. I think I had done it so much for a few years, right? I was kind of lagging in the motivation department. And I was having a talk with with my coach, Hillary. And, you know, she's always taught me that the best thing I can do for my career and my longevity is to do what is going to excite me to get out of bed in the morning and do the training. So I said, well, there is (laughs) this thing, you know, the long trail. And this was 2017. That's really how it began and how just like was truly something that just motivated me enough to do something, you know, that I knew I loved. Like I had been ultra running and I knew I would love the time spent on the trail. And so it just felt like the right challenge at that time to undertake. We're going to take a break to hear from the brands that support our podcast. Please support them in return. I'm nuts about nuts in my breakfast oatmeal as a mid-morning snack or as a mid-afternoon pick-me-up. Oh, and now that I've discovered nuts.com, I even have a small handful of their delicious bourbon peanuts for dessert every so often. Head to nuts.com to see the hundreds of different varieties of nuts they offer. And right now, when you go to nuts.com slash AMR, new customers get a free gift with purchase and free shipping on orders of $29 or more. 
Nuts.com is your one-stop shop for freshly roasted nuts, dried fruit, sweets, pantry stables like specialty flowers, and more. And at Nuts.com, quality is a top priority. They roast their nuts and pop their corn the same day it ships, so they reach you deliciously fresh. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Earlier this month, when I flew cross-country for our retreat, I packed a stash of Nuts.com snacks for the plane ride. Deliciously fresh salted cashews. They are the highest quality cashews I've ever had. And dried mango. Then, in my hotel room, I ate some of the dried mango before morning runs for some quick, natural carb energy without any added sugar. Nuts.com offers plenty of gluten-free options and organic choices. Whether you're looking for something sweet, savory, or need to stock up on everyday cooking essentials, you're bound to find something to try. Right now, Nuts.com is offering new customers a free gift with purchase and free shipping on orders of $29 or more at Nuts.com AMR. So go check out all the delicious options at nuts.com slash AMR. You'll receive a free gift and free shipping when you spend $29 or more. Nuts.com slash AMR. Okay, two things I want to say. First of all, Sarah Wasser Flynn, mm-hmm. you're, I can see you in like five or six years going to do the one water race since you've watched the documentary. <laughs> oh, yeah, the wheels are turning. <laughs> <laughs> And then number two, that's a perfect segue because we want to talk about goals with you, Alyssa. And I love that you mentioned that you have to have something that excites you. I mean, when you work with your athletes, because you are also a coach, you are coached and you are also a coach. So when someone comes to you and says, you know, I want to do whether whatever, whatever it is, it might be a half marathon, it might be an Ironman, it might be an ultra, whatever. How do you guide them and make sure that that's the right goal for them? Oh, that's such a good question. I think you know, as a coach, we see like all too often people coming and they come with their goals on the silver platter, right? That they, they see other people accomplish. And I think a part of us thinks that's what, you know, you should want to do too. Like you see all these people doing Ironman. That's what endurance athletes do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, And so, you know, for someone who is really brand new and like maybe has never done an Ironman before, because it is a cool process to pick something like that and, and get to the finish and here you are an Ironman, you know? And so, We have an honest talk about what it takes to get there and lay out the stepping stones. So, you know, it's very basic and it it makes sense. But I think then things get real at a certain point, right? (laughs) Like it sounds great when I have that initial conversation with them of, you know, these are the things you're going to do. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, five to six hour training days sound great, right? But then it comes down to putting that into play and things might not sound as great to them anymore. Once I see that that starts to happen, I try to unlock the door with them about looking at the goals from the side of not necessarily this like achievement, right? Of like doing something, but looking at it from the angle of the person you want to be as you're getting yourself there. Trying to help athletes put away that, you know, tunnel vision to the metal or to the Instagram post you'll be able to make that says, I did this, right? Putting that away and trying to focus on the person of like, what do you want to see? Do you want to see if you are a person who can be consistent, right? With your training, because that's always step one. Do you want to see if you're someone who can handle like a hundred mile bike ride? And what's that going to give you? That will give you the ability to focus better, to to be determined, right? To like 
do things that will then kind of make you that better human in everyday life. Trying to help people get away from that. It's not about the event, right? It's more about you every single day and making that choice of, you know, you want to be the person that embodies consistency and determination and like keeping going when things get really hard. I think that is an important angle that you have through the conversations with athletes on a daily basis as you get to the crux of the training, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is like if, if someone wants to only make that Instagram post, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. a really hard way to keep pedaling for six hours, right? When you need to mm -hmm. for training and chances are they will cut it short and that sort of thing. But if that person really wants to be a role model to their kids to show them that things got hard and I had to stop and take a break at a gas station and I had to have a Coke and a lot of candy and <laughs> chips, right? But then I got <laughs> yeah. back on my bike and I finished and it, you know, it wasn't magnificent. I think people just think it has to be this magnificent day after day of crushing these workouts, but it's really just about stringing together the consistency of doing hard things to show yourself that you can do that, you know? Mm -hmm getting them into that mindset to see that and to believe that about themselves is going to look different. And that's why, you know, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes you as a coach can look at how people got to the finish line of the same race and their training can be so wildly different, but it's truly just about getting them into those places where it's testing who they are and like having them realize that that's the moment they're looking for versus that finish line. Right, yeah. right. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, it's all about the journey, not the destination. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's say an athlete comes to you with something big, like on the silver platter. Mm -hmm. I want to do an Ironman, a marathon, a century ride, you know, a multi-day hike. What kind of lead time do you suggest? I know it's based on, you know, let's just say it's an Ironman because that's what you do with a lot of your clients. So, you know, it's hard to stay motivated when something is so far in the future, but you also need that. So what's like the typical lead time that you suggest to your athletes? Yeah, if it is someone that is like pretty new to endurance sports and triathlon and things like that, triathlon is tricky because there is just so much to learn. You're really doing not just one sport, you're doing three sports. And so giving that the respect of you know, it won't happen in this season, right? It's not going to happen in this coming year is good. Like if people can kind of have that long-term vision, it's really nice. I do think it's possible for many people <laughs> who have athletic gifts, right? To get off the couch and in nine months, they could find themselves at the finish line of an Ironman if they put their mind to it, especially if they're not really concerned about being super competitive, if it truly is just about seeing if they can get to that finish line, you know, weighing kind of their personal goals against their background and things like that is really important. But I always encourage people and I'm fortunate now that after after coaching for a decade, most of the athletes I work with are long term oriented, and they see kind of that value. I mean, that's how I've done the FKTs that I've done, right? Because before that, I mean, I started, I ran my first ultra marathon in 2005. So I actually had tons and tons of kind of a base to put towards what I was doing. And I think if people have that long-term vision, it's going to pay off and you'll get to do some really cool things, right? In the meantime, 
I love to just encourage people to think outside of the box because since I was never someone who was going to really be, you know, competitive in the world championships at Kona, right? My best case scenario would have been a podium finish at an Ironman. Mm-hmm. I had to really make sure I was finding fulfillment in other places. You know, very few people can really focus on just sport 24-7 and feel like, okay with that. You know, you yeah. need something yeah. else. You need getting involved in your community with a running group, um, you know, coaching a kid's group, you know, something else to kind of help you keep things in perspective that these are really cool things that we're going for, but it is, it's sport, right? It's mm-hmm. not, it's not everything for us. And so I think keeping that in perspective helps people build that long-term mentality as they look at their goals. Mm-hmm. Sure. I love all those advice about how to pick a goal and stay with it, that kind of thing. Do you, have you ever been in a situation or had an athlete or seen an athlete where you're like, this is just misaligned, right? Like for whatever reason, it's not going to happen. It might be something that happened in in that person's life or your own life. It might be like, you know what? I don't really want to go swim for 2.4 miles. Like that's just, I thought I wanted to, and now I don't, you know, mm-hmm. like when do you know to kind of, uh, to abort mission? Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, that's a great question. And I think one, as a coach, right? I'm hired by my athletes, right? So I'm working for them. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, gets lost sometimes. <laughs> because I think people, you know, I, I don't know, I try to not be intimidating. You know, and I think that's almost good to a way like I feel intimidated by my coach, right? And so I, I yeah. you know, that part of that is, is good to help you be your best, right? But at the same time, I certainly don't want people going after things that aren't exciting them to get out of bed, right? And do the training. Yeah. And so, again, I think that I have a pretty good feel for if that is, you know, something someone's feeling. And so I've had some of my athletes work with a sports psychologist. And I think that helps people who might have that intimidation factor, right? To work with someone who's trained to help them take the logical thought process and come to that end goal. And then kind of help them say like, okay, now you need to tell your coach that you've come to the realization, right? That goal A is actually not at all what you want to do, right? You don't want to do a 70.3. That training sounds miserable. You want to do, you know, the local sprints and Olympic and then this other race that you found, you know? And so I think, you know, that's one thing where if I start to feel like people are skipping workouts, people are losing that consistency factor, I'll try to certainly have the conversation and then can always suggest that as a resource for people if I feel like we're just not getting there. But, you know, I I try to just remind people. And so, yeah, for athletes listening, like, hopefully your coach would want you to do whatever your heart is set on, right? I mean, I've told people I will train them to be the hopscotch champion of the world, right? Like, I can get you fit for that (laughs) if that's what you want to do. And so just remembering that it is that partnership you know, it's, it's your life, it's your goals and they're great, right? Like they're yours. So learning to own that, I think for athletes is a really big sign of maturity. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talked about setting a long-term goal and like keeping the flow. How do you keep those good vibes going when you do have a big buildup towards an event? Yeah, I think making sure you know, you're both on the same page about the blocks of what it's going to take to get there. You know, having conversations about strengths and weaknesses is a really good 
place to start. And so you often will work on those weaknesses first, right? And so taking a look at, you know, right now it's a great time of year. It's November, people are going into off season, but maybe they do. They have that Ironman kind of looming, right? Next September, next October. And so I'm I'm talking to athletes about what do they feel like went well this season? What do they feel like they want to work on more? And, you know, a lot of times in triathlon, the swim is like a big, a big thing for people. And so we talk about like, okay, let's set a swim camp. You know, we like to call them swim camps where it's going to be kind of an intensive focus on swimming in the off season for, I mean, it could be for some people only one month. It could be three months for some people, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about what that will look like. And, you know, the goal for that would be to have them, again, it would be winter. So probably not doing like an open water swim or anything, but, you know, hitting one of our goal sets in the pool that they have been working on and just not quite getting, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'd explain that the next step would then be let's then do a mini bike camp to get us ready for going into the season of that. So, making sure that you both understand the timeline and kind of what you're looking at so that the athlete doesn't feel like it's random is really helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, and then too, a lot of times it's like people will be like, okay, I'm very sick of swimming. <laughs> you know, like what? Sure, sure. where is the light at the end of the tunnel? But then you know, you know, you know you're gonna have that challenge set in 12 weeks and that's what you're working towards. And then you get to like come up for air, right? And breathe a little bit. So I think that's good. Um, I also think just encouraging the daily communication so that a coach can figure out where your head is at. You know, do you need a break? Like, do you need some choice, (laughs) a time of unstructured Mm -hmm. training after that big block, right? Or is it someone who could then roll right into the next thing and then you pick your bike focus, right? You know, a lot of times I think athletes look at the highest level athletes and they just assume that they are like mentally indestructible. They go from, you know, (laughs) week to week, never needing a break. And I think it's great. Actually, like one of the perks of social media is that more athletes are sharing that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Giving people kind of that other end of the spectrum is really important sometimes to get the most out of them when it is time to work hard. It doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't, you know, a lot of people financially or just resource wise, so many moms, right, can't sign up for that many races because childcare is not always available at them. Very rarely is, right? So encouraging like a self-made fastest known time attempt or just a neighborhood challenge that you guys kind of come up with on your own, I think for a lot of people helps take that pressure off of well, how am I going to test myself if I can't do a race or, you know, I don't want to sign up for a race. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to kind of work around that and still check off those process goals along the way. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, Alyssa, we have to ask, what are your goals for 2024? Besides, of course, continuing to heal that rooted knee of yours. Gosh, yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> the healing, I think I'm not letting myself think too or too far out. But actually, um, I will share this because I think it's a great example of of doing just that because you know, I'm in a position where I I don't want to sign, you know, I don't want to put money into a race that I'm not going to be able to do. And that's just going to give me all this undue pressure about where I'm at with my recovery and stuff. So I dreamed up this challenge for myself next year where 
I would attempt to see if it's possible to... So I live in Vermont and then we have New Hampshire borders us and then we have New York. Not really borders us. You have to cross Lake Champlain. But um, the high points in each state is Mount Washington in New Hampshire, Mount Mansfield in Vermont, and then Mount Marcy in, in the Adirondacks in New York. So I have this like dream challenge for myself to see if you could climb Mount Washington, like hike Mount Washington, come down, bike to uh, Mount Mansfield in Vermont, climb Mount Mansfield, and then bike. You'd have to get on a ferry. So that's <laughs> going to be a little logistical planning, which I love to kind of add into things. Bike to Mount Marcy in New York and see if you could climb that and see if it's possible to do in 24 hours. And so it's like a no, there's no way to lose that, right? Exactly. Like, I, was, yeah. I love it. It's like your own little adventure race. That's so funny. I love that. I, um, yeah. If you need some advice, I climbed Mount Marcy um, when I was right before my freshman year of college with a backpack. Uh-huh. On, so, the longest one, right? It's like, I mean, yeah. coming at the end of the day, I'm inclined to maybe switch it and do Mount Marcy first and then go east. Then come back. Yeah, I don't know. But Mount Whitney is really, or not Mount Whitney, Mount Washington is, is that's, I've heard that that's. It's a doozy. It is, but it's, it's it's, again, it's much shorter. Mount Mount Washington and Mount Mansfield are much shorter hikes. So um, I don't know. I think it will be fun. It'll be, you know, interesting. And it's something that will, like I said, it's a no-lose situation. And it's motivating enough for me to keep with my PT in the meantime and keep trying to just like slowly build strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And logistically, I have a question. Your bike would be like at the bottom of the mountain, at the base of the mountain somewhere, and then you just leave it there or have somebody watching it? Yeah, I think we would have to lock Mm -hmm. them up in the woods, like hike into the, you know, you just kind of go out of eyesight and lock them up. And, you know, I've done a few other adventures similarly where we've had to do that. And, you know, knock on wood, it's been okay. Yeah. Well, you would get along really well with one of our previous guests, Jennifer Strong McConaughey. She wrote Go Multisport. If you haven't read the book, you should. She's just like you. And she was encouraging everybody to do these adventure races on their own, just like you're saying. So you guys are two birds of a feather for sure. Oh, yeah. It sounds like we'd be fast friends. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you, Alyssa. Good luck with your healing. Happy 2024. And let us know when you complete your, what are we calling it? Like the Tri Mountain Quest? The, what, what are we calling <laughs> no, it? No. That makes it sound like really fun. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> thank you both for having me. It was great to talk. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So we hope this conversation with Alyssa has you excited to go after your big things in 2024. But first, we want you to reflect on your athletic accomplishments in 2023. We are doing a highlight show, actually two highlight shows in December. We're going to bring on all the Train Like a Mother coaches and talk to them. And we want to intersperse your voicemails with what was your athletic highlight in 2023. You're just going to record a voice memo and fill out a little form so we have a picture of you and a way to get in touch with you if we need to. So please don't be shy. Sarah wasn't shy about telling us about her 2035 k We love hearing that. So let us know what you did in 2023 and celebrate yourself. The link to the form and the directions will be in the show notes. So check that out and give us a call and brag a little. Thanks. <laughs>